ready, Jerry? I'm ready. Just want to make sure you're ready, brother. Show me the money. Oh, you didn't know? Every day I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling. You put my shoes on, you wouldn't last a mile. Summertime, when it's time, I'm on the grind. Yeah, I got the ring, I'm the champ, I'm the genie of the lamp. This is the gift I was given, so I just live by my hustle. Okay, let's go smoke that joint. What up, what up? Fantasy Football Hustler back at you with another Hustler interview. We're also going to be breaking down a bunch of rookie running backs. Sorry about the confusion on the time. I know that there's a bunch of people in here right now. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, before I get started and bring out our special guest, I want to remind everybody, make sure you subscribe, make sure you hit the like button, hit the bell, get the notifications. If you're not watching this on YouTube, make sure you go over there, smash the subscribe button, just go do it now, get it out of the way, watch on YouTube. If your guys are looking to get in any kind of fantasy football dynasty league, make sure you go get signed up on my Patreon. Go search fantasyfootballhustler.com. It'll get you to all my links. Go follow me everywhere on all platforms, social media, and all podcasts. Now, without further ado, let's bring him out here. Schmitty, someone who has been creating fantasy football content for longer than most of you guys have been playing fantasy football. So I'm super excited to hear about his come up. Let's welcome him in like uh, the 420 crew always does. What's up, what up, man? What up, what up? Sorry about the uh, uh, change in time and all that. I, As I said to you just right before we went live, I I, I, I bite off so much more that I can chew half the time. And I, and I usually can cram it in and figure it out. But uh, I had a lot of things colliding at once. And, and I have a tough time saying no. I love talking football. I love, you know, helping other other shows come up. I like uh debating thing you know like i i just love everything about it you know it's that's why i chose to be in the industry so i i love it i just i i just say yes to too much <laughs> <laughs> yep well uh we'll pile some more on your plate for today appreciate you spending some time really yep. appreciate it and eric up in the building said what up what up that boy schmitty shouting it out what's up eric and there we go, Stu, Hustler, and Schmitty, my two favorite fantasy content creators. Appreciate that, Stu. You the man. That a boy, Stu. Antonio, what up, what up? And oh shit, Stu, good looking on the super chat, bro. Way to start that off right. Let's see if the momentum builds. Let's throw in some super chats for Schmitty. Let's get it. Now, you've been in this fantasy football world like forever. Like I started playing in 2006 and you're already like doing your thing, you know, yeah. way back when what kind of guided the path and like got you just breaking into the fantasy football world initially, like uh, uh, content wise, know, not playing content wise. Um, okay. So yeah, I've been playing since, you know, nineties, you know, we're talking like 93, 92 for a lot of, a lot of 
people watching were even born or they're in diapers. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I, I started playing fantasy before I even really loved the NFL. So I have a unique kind of, uh, uh, I think, advantage of not really having that homer type mentality with any team, even, even though I'm in Arizona and I love the Cardinals and I root for the Cardinals. But, uh, you know, I, I, I started getting to know fantasy as I got to know the NFL. Um, but I want to say about 2000 and th- 2002, 2003, um, I just got tired of not, seeing any content out there in in March, April, May, and there weren't any calculators or tools. And I'm an innovative guy, you know, in in my gene, my genetics. So I'm an entrepreneur at heart in my blood. It's, it's what, you know, what my family does. They've always done that. I I knew I wanted to do something innovative and creative. And so I started just like thinking, how can I innovate in the space of fantasy football where, you know, there are no trade calculators and no, no mock draft simulators. And so I developed the first trade calculator, the first mock draft simulator that were instant based. Um, there were a couple tools that you download like the, the application and, and run like a, a real comp. You have to enter in your lineup and everything. Mine was instant based. You just grab a player, grab a player. It tells you what I think, you know, don't do this trade. Hey, you know, you're an idiot. Why would you do this trade? Or that's a fantastic trade. Why didn't you hit the, the yes button at all kinds of, of options when I first did it. I perfected over the years and, and you can find that at my uh, shameless plug sleeper you.com. Um, but that's, that's the gen- the genesis of like how it all came together is that I just got tired of, of talking with even my buddies and being like, Hey, let's do a, let's do our draft early this year, you know, cause there wasn't really dynasty back then either. Yeah. And they're like, do, do the draft early. People could get hurt. Like, why do you want to do football or why do you even want to talk football here in March? You know? And I just had this, desire to to have a year-round perspective and so that was you know 2003 then i started going on cbs sports radio it was then nbc sports radio dropping bold predictions started landing those and it just kind of steamrolled into a uh you know a, a product that that currently now is sleeperu.com and um you know i've been doing it ever since and then recently the last two years i got into video doing the the fantasy football show so two different product lines essentially but you know, doing the same thing just in written form and in and, and video and audio. Nice. Hell yeah. Antonio, thanks for the super chat. You the man, bro. And uh, I like that you saw issue and you wanted to fix it right away. That, that's one thing that I am all about. <laughs> My son coming in. Make sure to give me a news update. Yeah, <laughs> but um, she's yeah, like your March just ran a four point three eight forty. Dad, just yeah. let you know. <laughs> Love it. Uh, I like how you identified a problem, and instead of being someone who just bitched about it, like literally created your own lane, and uh, that that's dope. Um, there's a lot of things right now that, it, that we're still missing in fantasy football. Like right now, I mean, I'm super heavy into IDP. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to start creating content in 2020 was just try to make my lane a little bit in IDP, bring something a little bit more to the forefront. And now it seems like there's a whole bunch more even than one year ago. Um, but yeah, I like I like the uh, entrepreneurship and how you just kind of created your own path there. Yeah, uh, I think COVID created a, a sense of... Um braveness with people that you know they could they you know they're getting on zoom cam you know camera you know 
with their kitchen in the background and just kind of like open the door to people being able to try something. And so the, the industry is very saturated, but um, you know, a lot of these people won't necessarily keep going with it, you know, a year after two years after like, it's, it's hard. Like I, the, the one thing I, I don't mind doing is sharing my blueprint of like how I, I I've gotten where I've gotten a, because I, I like helping people and I'm only, and I truly only believe I'm competing with myself. It doesn't matter how many people there are out there. You're going to watch more than one person on a video show, for example. So I'm not scared or worried about, you know, promoting another channel. Like there are certain things you don't do is, you know, you, when you have your show, like, you know, you just bring everybody on it or whatever, but I don't mind talking up people or, or giving, giving them if it's well-deserved shout out. I have people ask me to shout them out. I don't even know them. I'm like, no, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, I'm not worried about that. It's, it's the one industry I've seen more than anybody, but maybe Matthew Berry that I can think of that's been in it longer than I have where you, you benefit from sharing the wealth. You benefit from, uh, from collaborating, which wasn't even a word back then. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, in, in the fantasy industry, but yeah. uh, it's, it's just something that like, you know, so one, I'm not, I'm not worried about giving the blueprint because I like helping people. But number two, it's really, really hard to replicate what it is that I'm able to do because I go full steam ahead all day long. Um, it's all that I do. I, I sacrifice a lot of my personal life too, which a lot of people don't talk about. And, and some of that's not even healthy, you know, like when Matthew Berry came on my show last time we talked about it, he was divorced, first divorce is because of his lifestyle his, his you know, being on call essentially all the time, it's wearing on a relationship. So not only is it hard to do physically and mentally to go through the grind of uh, all day, you know, on call, never turning it off type of analyst, but um, it, it's also wearing on your, your home environment. And, you, you know, you got to try and put things in place to help keep you, uh, compartmentalized. And it's hard. It's, it literally is impossible. You know, like I, I, I have, I'm, I'm divorced. I I'm now I have another new Miss Smitty and she's, she's very, very, uh, appreciative and she's very, um, patient, but you know, she can still get pissed off by the way that I, I conduct myself. And the way I conduct myself is I, I calculated it. I work 110 hours a week. On, on my brand that's I, I i always said like 80 or 90 but i never calculated it so actually a couple of weeks ago i tallied it for a whole week just to see and i was like wow you know i am i'm definitely addicted to what i do i love it but that that's a hard person to live with alex it's a hard hard person to live with i'm, I'm not a, an easy man to live with i'm i'm oftentimes the most disappointing man in my household because uh well it's just me and the cat <laughs> oh, the only no, I, I'm surrounded by women, but my two daughter, my two daughters, and 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 Miss Smitty, you know, I, I've got to figure out a better way every year to like you know dedicate more time to them because I'm literally just constantly doing this, you know, breaking news, doing lives, doing interviews, doing everything. It just you know, it, it's a it's a nonstop thing. So it's hard. It's hard. If anybody wants to do it full time, my advice to them is to just keep building up your side hustle. Don't focus on that. And when, when it gets there, if it gets there, you'll know. Yeah, for sure. Great advice. Um, I got kind of pushed into it. I got laid off in 2020 and I'm just, was, I mean, everything with COVID, like where the hell are you going to get a job anyways? So I just kind of started going full force with this and I embraced the grind. Like at one point, I, I think my peak was 73 videos and podcasts in a 30 day span. And I, 
I know what you're talking about and I couldn't even imagine, you know, being in that grind for almost 20 years. So, um, I'm probably going to be picking your brain about how you do make more time for your family. Cause I know I've pissed off my well, wife more than a few times. Again, I don't know that I'm the guy to ask on that. Like I I'm, I struggle with it daily. I've kind of come to the conclusion that I can do my best, but this is who, you know, I am who I am. Uh, and, and who I am is a, a nonstop, you know, like I'm, I'm literally live more than pretty much anybody you'll find. I'm on Instagram live constantly. Um, I go live on Instagram probably if I had to say like one to two hours a day minimum. Um live on YouTube Tuesdays and Thursdays for three hours. And then that's not that's the daytime show. And that's not including my nighttime lives, my mock draft lives, um, my video uploads that I do, try and do a video a day on YouTube, you know, all the podcasts. And I, I don't try to just repurpose all my podcasts too from from ripped audio from shows. Like I'll literally podcast separately too. So nice. it's you know. I don't even have time for all the platforms to be honest <laughs> with you. Like I, I should be tearing it up on Twitter and I, I just, I don't even mess with Twitter all that much because I just don't have time <laughs> and I'm a one man band and, and that's the way I like it. So nice. That, that's awesome. That you're a one man band. Um, I thought you might have a couple people behind you, but uh, that that's pretty dope and uh, inspiring. Cause I know that you are doing a grip of stuff like all the time. I guess I don't have a beef with Twitter necessarily, but I guess when it comes to like getting stuff viewed, it seems like it's all sellers on Twitter, no buyers, if I could put it that way. Like not people who necessarily want to take in the content, but people who are just creating the content. Yeah. And you got to know your platform too. Like Twitter is, is more of a like conversation, you know? And if, if you're just putting your video up saying view my video, no one cares, you know, yeah. <laughs> like and you, you get, and that's just the environment that Twitter is. So I've learned, you know, that you can't repurpose everything. You, you got to create for each platform. Every platform is different. Instagram is very, very different than IG. TikTok is very different than Instagram. Yet they share very, you know, a lot of the same, you know, similar types, you know, the, the reels and all that. But it, it's, you know, you just got to make sure you're creating content. And what are you, what do you, what do you really wanting to do with your content? What do you really want to provide people? You know, you just got to figure out what it is you're good at. If it's IDP, then you're in a good spot because IDP is kind of lacking. Now the 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 amount of people looking for IDP is smaller but you have a, a better chance of dominating the space because there's not as many people in, in the space, but you know, whatever you do, grind, grind, grind. And, and um, what's up run boys, grind, grind, grind. And everything will sort itself out, man. You'll figure out what your, your niche is. You'll figure out what Avenue or where your voice is. And, and, you know, it'll go from there. You just got to listen to, to the responses, what's working, what's not working. And don't ever bite off more than you can chew, but always work hard enough to where you're not, you know, sitting back and, you know, it, it'll work out or it won't, you know, if, if you've got something, you'll be able to tell the people will respond. So. Yep. Hell yeah. What up rum boys? The gimme money network. What up? What up? What's up GMM? I'm playing, I'm playing with him in a, uh, a league with uh, our boy Jay and, and, and uh, Justin clock management and Jay, the plug They're They're creating a, uh, a league with uh, Darren Waller's in it. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat Darren Waller by drafting him. <laughs> That's fucking dope. Hell yeah! I can't let him draft himself. Hugh, Fuck that. Hugh Jackson's in it. Uh, there's a lot of lot of crazy T Pain. T Pain's in it. Um, Hell yeah! Yeah. So we got we got a lot of good good people in that league. That's gonna be a fun league. 
Bogart, where the fuck you at, man? Where was my invite on that? Hit me up. <laughs> and Stu, you demand super chat, smoking and watching two, two of America's most wanted, Tupac playing in the background in my mind. I like Dude, it. I like Stu, it. light them up, man, on all avenues. Nice. Rumboy said we all in that league. Better make sure there's a spot for me. So one thing that I like is how you kept investing into yourself and and even, I mean, I don't know if you kept going to school the whole time, but I saw that you got a master's in digital audience strategy. Look at Tell you me a little bit research. about that. Look at you with the research. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I I, I got a, a, a bachelor's a long time ago in psychology and, and I use that in a lot of what I do. I have a psychology series on my channel where I, I talk about the psychology behind fantasy football, um, the order of questioning, like so many different awesome topics from, from my psychology days that I bring into fantasy football. Like for example, if you've got three running backs, let's say you have uh, Christian McCaffrey, um, Josh Jacobs, who, who uh, I don't want, let's say, and that's true. And then let's say you have Clyde Edwards Lair and I'm coming to you and I want to, I want to get Clyde. Worst thing you could do is be like, Hey, what do you want for Clyde? Cause a, you're showing your hand B you're telling that person that Clyde's good. And even if, you know, you, then you get to a point where it's like, okay, either you think you're better than me at fantasy football, or you believe that I might be better than you at fantasy football. Then you have two different avenues to break down there because let's say you're a young, uh, inexperienced fantasy football player me asking about a player is going to scare you off because you don't want to be made to be the guy that gave up the guy and didn't understand how good and valuable he was. There's so many different ways to take this in psychology. So the order of what you do and how you roll out a trade offer is so critical because if I ask you, Christian McCaffrey, what do you want for him? You're like, nope, he's my number one running back. Okay, Josh Jacobs. How about I go after Josh Jacobs? You're like, no, uh, he's my number two running back. You've mentally subconsciously every confirmed that that Clyde Edwards Alaire cannot be your one or number two ranked running back on your team. So it just opens the door to a, a, a more of a probability that you're willing to devalue subconsciously Clyde Edwards Alaire, uh, you know, it, before it, whereas before you would have maybe just been defensive and said, no, I drafted Clyde for a reason. Why do you want him? You know? So there's so many different like ways to spin psychology in it. So, so that, that degree, you know, that, that degrees helped me with a lot of what I do, but I wanted to go one step further and just kind of make sure I have uh, enough uh, of a digital audience and, and, you know, branding experience and stuff like that. And I won't say that uh, the degree is like, I, I pretty much feel like I knew everything that I learned in that program, but what that does is opens doors. You know, I wanted to, to make sure that I had the proper education and experience to bring to the table for big deals for, um, potential like mergers down the road or, you know, getting, getting hired on to do something for ESPN someday. And I don't know that I even want to do that, but just, I didn't want to stop. I just wanted to put everything in my tool belt and just kind of take it with me and, and have every option available to me. So that's kind of why I did continue to, to go to school, even though I work for myself and I, I don't really need a degree, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, gotta have the stuff on paper you know, for the big guys sometimes. Um, I like everything that you're breaking down about the psychology because the way that you approach the initial part of the trade could almost like make or break the entire trade, like literally in one message that you send out. And one thing that I like to do 
I don't like to just go after one person necessarily um, just because you never know like where the person's actually going to go. So I actually throw out like out of these like couple players, who do you like least? <laughs> yeah. And I just, just to them, because and sometimes the person that they like least is the person that I like most. And so it just works out a little bit. You all, you got to figure out what's in the other person's head. That's for yeah. sure. And you got to know their needs too. Nothing, nothing worse than somebody offering you a trade where you literally are like, uh, you know, getting offered a quarterback and you don't need a quarterback. You're like, dude, are you even looking at my roster? Then you just don't like believe anything the person says or believe they're coming at it from any kind of like honest perspective. So you yep. just got to make sure you know what your other, the other owner needs. But, but like you said, asking what they want to do sometimes is better than, than telling them what you want to do. And you just got to make sure you, you, uh, you don't play your hand out right in front of them, you know? And, and just kind of take it slow and, and figure out what it is. You can get someone to uh, confirm, like I said, through that sequence of no's that a certain player is really low on, on their in their mind. Like I've said no to all these players ahead of Clyde. And then and then this, the trick is like, so if I pretend that I don't even know you have Clyde and I'm like, okay, so you, you won't give me Jacobs. You won't, you won't give me Christian McCaffrey. Well, what other running backs do you have? And you're like, Clyde Edwards-Alaire you right there are opening the door subconsciously to being capable of trading them because you're offering them like you're offering up the name. And and then you start getting defensive because you're like, Hey, why don't you want Clyde? I know what I'm doing when I scouted them. I'm good at this, you know, and then you're wanting to basically get them to confirm that Clyde is worth what, you know, you paid or what. So there's, there's, it it doesn't always work. It doesn't just lead to a, a trade, but it puts you in the best position down the right path. And maybe you never would have got a deal done anyway, but the odds increase if you play it out a certain way with the order of what you do. And I guess the way that you ask questions, it's almost like the person can talk themselves into it, um, whether you think they will or not. And even one prime example on a dynasty uh, trade that I made um, still shocks me like right now, but literally just uh, happened. Um, It was right after the Carson Wentz news. I drafted Carson Wentz. I think it was like in the 11th round or something. He just kept falling and falling because he hadn't been um, hadn't been traded yet. And so I, I picked him up and then I picked up Debo Samuel like two rounds later. And there was someone who really, really needed a quarterback. And I didn't even know that he liked Wentz like that. And we started talking. And I was like, I'm only going to move Wentz if it's for a running back. And he drafted Barkley and Chubb in the second round. I didn't think there was any chance in hell that like Barkley would even be like, in the mix. And as we start talking, I'm thinking about Chubb as we're talking. And he was like, so who are you talking about? You talking about Barkley? And as soon as he said that my whole mindset just switched. I'm like, okay, well, if he threw it out there, I guess I need to try to go for this better guy somehow, some way, even though I didn't think that it was going to be possible. So if I would have just came out and said, Nick Chubb, he probably would have just tried to sell me Nick Chubb and may have not have even offered Barkley. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the order is so important, you know, and, and and what I love to do, I do a lot of draft pick trading videos and, and training on that, um, you know, trading what I call kicking the can down the road, where you essentially take your, you know, third and fourth rounder and trade it for like a, a 1.12 or whatever. So you create a void, you know, down in the fourth round because you've given away essentially a pick. And you almost have to give away a pick. You can't do a, well, you give me your first rounder and your seventh rounder. I'll give you a third and fourth. That's going to make someone be like, no, I don't want to do these kind of weird, you know, almost like even type trades. 
if you go, I'll give you my third and the fourth, like for free to move from the, you know, the first rounder to my third, that makes somebody more enticed to be like, wow, you're giving me a whole pick. And then they might do something they don't normally want to do. Then at that point, uh, what's to say Smitty has a real degree in psychology that that's why the counselor hates. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, probably true. But um, so you, you trade your third and your fourth for a first, right? Now you have a void, though. You have a void in your, your fourth round. You're missing a pick. So the whole point of kicking the can down the road is you then trade your uh, fifth and sixth for a third, your sixth and seventh for a fourth. You keep moving the void downstream, and you're creating a bigger void. Like, it's getting bigger. There's more picks, but you're pushing into an area where it's almost like, you know what? There are free agents that are potentially as good as some of the picks that I'm missing out on downstream. And so there's a, a time where you can get literally five picks in the top 18 by doing that aggressively. you got to do it aggressively. And then, yeah, you have five or six picks in the top 25, let's say, and no picks until like round 10 or 11. But you put, you've kicked that can, can so far down the road, doesn't matter. You're missing four picks because you only have six picks in 10 rounds. But who cares when you've upgraded every single one of those players? Who are you getting in round 10? They could compete. I feel like I can grab guys in round 10 that can compete with guys in round 7, round 8, round 9. I feel yeah. that way. So it, it's a great strategy. A lot of people love it. It's probably my most sought-after content in the offseason, the draft pick trading stuff. And uh, it's it's fun. But you burn bridges. You also won't have anybody p- trading with you after about the fourth or fifth trade because you're causing chaos. And it's like, you know, people stop talking to you about trades. But <laughs> the one thing people come to me and they say, I tried it, Smitty, doesn't work. And I'm like, how many trade offers did you send? Well, two. Like, bro, you got to send like eight per team. You know, you have to hit them with massive amounts of offers in order for that stuff to work. So, and the great part about draft pick trading is when you're doing those two for ones, you're not really putting yourself in any kind of awkward position of telling your hand or trying to go after a player that they like is draft picks. And, and all you have to do is get somebody to think for one second, I'm getting an extra pick. I'm getting an extra pick. They're vulnerable after, you know, eight, nine offers. There's going to be one that makes them waver. And then all you got to do is get that one. Then once the trade goes through, all your trade offers are pretty much void, and 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 you know because that deal went through, which involved those picks. Start over. You start offering another eight offers per team. Get the second offer to go through. Then all those offers will go away because you you made the trade. You go through it as much as you can. Just kick that problem down the road as far as you can. So that's one one uh, draft pick trading technique that I like to, to throw out there every year. Yeah, and I feel like if, if you're doing something like that, you got to commit to it. Like one of the big things that I see is when someone starts to commit to that and then they go back to like trading backwards, you yeah. know, instead of just like going super hard with literally trying to trade up, you know, as much as you can. Yeah, they panic and they're like, oh, God, I don't have any, I don't have a fifth rounder. Like big deal. You went down this road for a reason. Like, weren't you excited about it? Didn't you like the void? Didn't you like the challenge? Like I that's why I'm a big best player available person, because. I could care less if I'm going wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. Like, I love that challenge. I don't lose sleep at night and try and back out of that, trade a big-name player to fill that. I got to get a running back. I don't care. Like, I like the challenge in that. I like trying to find a James Robinson, you know, and a rookie 
and, and trying to fill my running backs up with that and then go wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. Like, I'm not saying that's my favorite approach, but I love doing things like that. Yeah, I'm in, uh, I got into three dynasty leagues so far that I started. I'm just trying different strategies in all of them. Just see what, see what works and just have fun doing different things. All right, so let's talk about a thing you're really addicted to, the fantasy football show. Um, talk about some new stuff that you got going on, and yeah, I'm excited. It, it's been around for two years on YouTube now, right? Yeah, um, I started, so I, I technically got into video in 2007 or 2006, I forget which year, but it was before YouTube was acquired by Google, and um, I was approached by YouTube and and there were about four or five of us that were going to do a start bench show. So they said, we want you to do a start bench show. We'll feature you on the YouTube homepage on Sunday mornings. It was, but this is back when YouTube was smaller. Um, so it wasn't the exposure you, you think it would be. It was still big, but um, I started doing video then. But video back then was so hard. Like you had to use like camcorders and like up, you know, transfer. It was It was not even the same thing at all. So I did do video a little bit back then, but then I stopped and I just focused on radio. I've been, I'm on the the world's longest running fantasy football radio show, which had a temporary interruption with COVID. So I'm not sure how we're going to even coin that anymore because it was 23 years that this show has been on. No one has had a longer fantasy football radio show. It's on terrestrial radio on a dial. It's not on, you know, a podcast or something. It's actual, you know, CBS radio show. And um, so I've been doing radio. I've been doing all. And so for two, yeah, two years, this is going on year three of the fantasy football show. I just decided to create a new brand of, of video show, you know, a, a, a live stream um, up video uploads. It's it's all accessible at smitty1.com. But I, I created that because, you know, I, I felt like I'd done enough in the content space. I wanted to expand in the video space. I felt like there's an opportunity for it. I didn't know how well it would do. I didn't know how well I would do. I did radio for a long time. I figured I could translate it. I look back at my first videos and, you know, I laugh. I think I laugh at videos a month ago. You know, you always improve, I think. But, um, you know, I, I love doing it. I never thought I'd love it as much as I do. And it was probably the right time, too, because for whatever reason, I didn't want to do it earlier in my career. I had so much on my plate. I, I didn't really feel like I had the the space for it. But it just took off, man. And I put in so much time on the video stuff. That's probably why I work about a hundred hours a week is that, you know, through, uh, through this, I probably do about 40, you know, hours of video a week and, you know, or no, probably 60 hours of video a week and 40 hours of, of content. So I kind of just added another 60 hours to my plate by doing the video show. So, but <laughs> yeah, the fantasy football show, you can find it at smitty1.com and I'm doing the three hour every Tuesday and Thursday three-hour show. Um, it's not just a live stream. I, I'm doing it like a network-type quality show with news and call-ins and guests and um, everything you can think of. It's not just like reading the chat like I do it. Not like this This live stream. I, I, this is awesome, and I do these live streams too, but this is like I wanted to do something completely different. I built a different part of my studio so that it didn't get used unless it was during the show so people could tell the difference and had a different feel to it. So um, real excited about that though. Cause uh, I think that's going to be a big, big difference maker for my channel. And it's, it's every Tuesday and Thursday for three hours a day. Sweet. Well, if you yeah. ever need any guests on, let me know. I'm all about it. Yeah, I will be, uh, at some point, uh, trying to get more people on. So once I get in a, in a rhythm, I've got some regulars already, but, um, you know, we, we've got like a couple interns that even come on it's, it's good stuff. It's fun. 
Nice. Kind of pick on them. Nice. <laughs> All right. Before we get into Smitty's rookie running back list, let me just remind everybody again, make sure you go subscribe Fantasy Football Hustler on YouTube, on every podcast that's out there. Just go to fantasyfootballhustler.com and you will get to everywhere that you can find me on the internet. Made it nice and easy for you guys. All right. Okay, so I usually go from from last to first. We're going to switch it up, and we're going to just start at number one with Travis Etienne. And I haven't seen anybody have him number one. I mean, it's mostly just Najee, Najee, Najee. Um, ex- explain why you got Etienne number one. Um, he just he looks the part to me. I, I get Najee Harris is a, a good prospect. I feel like he could be a Marshawn Lynch type player, which is no knock on him at all. That's a seven to 12 overall player every single year. I just feel like ETN has maybe a little more risk, but probably higher ceiling to get above that, that kind of value. So you are paying a higher price. You're, or you're taking on a little bit more risk, especially if you're drafting now and we don't know the landing spots. Uh, you know, I, I feel like, both running backs are going to fall to good, good uh, uh, locations, but Najee Harris is probably a little bit safer to be a full-time running back. But I just don't see a world where ETN go. He's going to go high. I think he, he could potentially both could potentially go in the first round. But if even if one goes in the first round, the other one is going to most likely get drafted high enough that that the draft capital is too steep a price for a team that doesn't need the player to to invest in it in the player. Um, as you get into like the Chuba Hubbard range, which Chuba Hubbard's arguably my favorite running back of this draft class. He has that Alvin Kamara potential, but I feel like he has a, a, a t- it's a tougher thing to imagine him falling into the right spot where a team knows exactly how to use him like Alvin Kamara. And Alvin Kamara, I had in my top five bull predictions of the year. He came out as a rookie and, and I just, i I'll be honest. I got a little bit lucky that that the Saints did use him like I'd hoped they'd use him, um, but I saw I saw exactly what he produced. I saw that unfolding, and I see a similar talent and a, ability in Chupa Hubbard. But uh, you know, this time around, you know, we got to make sure if we're going to start investing, you know, high draft capital from a fantasy perspective, that he is in a spot like Camaro was in, because Camaro was used brilliantly and still is. And and a lot of teams wouldn't use Camara the way that the Saints used him. They would have just said, "Okay, this is a third down back. We're not going to give him all the work. We're not going to build our offense or structure things around him." Same thing with Antonio Gibson. Here comes in a, a, a running back that never really played running back. He's a Swiss Army knife type wide mm-hmm. receiver that does not work in the NFL. It doesn't. It doesn't. He's an outlier. The Washington football team. I always have to correct myself. The Washington football team knows how to use him and they use him to it to, to perfection. And so situation's king. Situation can make Javonta Williams the number one overall rookie in everyone's you know rookie draft just by landing in the right situation. If he goes to the Steelers and Najee Harris goes to some kind of somewhat cloudy situation, and ETN goes to a cloudy Javonta Williams is the number one running back. Like these running backs are also good, but none of them are like locks to be the next Barkley. I think the, the the true value, what makes this draft class, and I truly believe this, one of those draft classes that could be the best draft class that we've seen in a long time and ever will for a long time, is the wide receivers 
Kyle Pitts and the and the quarterbacks. The running backs are good. Landing spot could make them great, but they don't they don't have that like Barkley feel. Yeah, like not. I mean, Barkley, you know, Zeke. I mean, guys like that. They're going in top four, top five. Yeah, I don't. We'll see if any of these guys actually go in the first round. And shout out to Robbie Rum boys. Yep, you do have ETN number one also. And uh, yeah, it's just I don't know what. It, it, I like going against the grain a little bit, and I just think that Najee isn't. He's been a little bit extra hyped by everyone, and I don't know. Just looking at his tape and everything, like he's great. But I don't know. It's not as special as everybody's making him out to be. Yeah, he's a little slower than than you'd think. And not that not that he can't work on that or get better or improve. Like, you know, obviously he can. But ETN just fits the bill, man. He fits the, the you know, I know he's a, a little bit. He's like 205, 210 pounds. I'm not sure what he weighed in exactly. The uh, Yeah, I think he's like 205, 210. But. That's that's fine. That's perfect. It doesn't he doesn't have to be 220. And and you know, if he's 215, 220 naturally, that you know, sure that'd be better. But this is what makes him like Camara Camara is good for a reason. Like there's certain he his frame and everything just it, it's perfectly fit for his style. And I think the ETN for his style of play, his ability to catch the football, be a, a, a really powerful running back between the tackles. Like he looks bigger. When you see ETN, he looks like he's 220. And and sometimes the way a person's built can offset any kind of like actual number. Like I use with, and I still believe in Clyde Edwards Alaire. But Clyde, I don't care if he's smaller. I don't care if people say he's not super fast. He's very quick. His quickness left to right is unmatched in the NFL. Like he's the the quickest player in the NFL from left to right already. But he's not, you know, as fast as some running backs when he's unleashed. But his skill set, the way he's built, he's built like a bowling ball. The way ETN's built is perfect for his style of play. And if in the right spot, if ETN goes to, um, you could say you could say Miami, but I, Miami, the the Steelers, um, the Jets. There's a couple places he could go, and if Wilson is in New York, I, I like whatever running I like either Harris or ETN in New York because I think New York changes it turns it around really quickly with Salah they've got they've got a lot of good things I think um in in the in the on the horizon because it all starts with the quarterback the reason the Jets struggle every every single year and the reason they're a black hole for every fantasy football player that's on that roster is because of the quarterback position and if they get Wilson they have what I consider to be a top 5 top 6 quarterback of the future and that's gonna that's gonna turn everything around, just like the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, quick turnaround all around Josh Allen, and I, I think we're gonna see that with Wilson if they draft Wilson. I, you know, if they trade out of that pick, which is possible. Um, I don't know how much how much control Salah really has. Maybe maybe the organization punts their future on this one. But if they take Wilson or Lawrence, Lawrence won't fall. But something crazy happens. You never know. Wilson will turn this franchise around, and, and I hope that one of these running backs is paired there. Yeah. And give me money, says, I feel bad for any running back that's behind that Steelers line. Yeah, we, we shall see. Before we move on to the next guy here, Eric says, are they going to use CEH more next season? I have to think so. Yeah, you know, Watkins vacated targets. Um, the 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 If anybody watched Clyde Edwards-Alaire, run the football last year, especially 
on those goal line series of goal line runs where he got stuffed. It wasn't his fault. Like the, the dude is impossible to tackle one-on-one and, and, and it was a, a combination of bad play calling. Um, he is a goal line back. I don't care what anybody tells me because he failed uh, under certain circumstances last year at the goal line. Everyone's a, a, uh, a, a authority on, on his goal line potential and he needs to be used at the goal line like he was at LSU. He needs to be used at the goal line that that that, that helps him get into the end zone on a shuffle pass, uh, a draw, um, on a on a reception. Like this guy is good in the goal line. He just needs to be utilized properly. Um, and, and he is a between the tackles running back. Make no mistake about it. Go back and watch his film if you disagree, because LSU leaned on him in the third and fourth quarter in some of the most important games when the game was on the line against the best defenses in college football, against the best defensive players in college football, the guys that went in the first round alongside of them, and he made them look silly on a, a regular basis. So Clyde Edwards-Alaire, give Clyde a full offseason. Give all these rookies, Taylor, Clyde, all the rookies from last year, the running backs especially, give them a full regular offseason. They had a COVID-shortened offseason where they couldn't learn pass protection. They couldn't get involved or get their hands too deeply into the PPR aspects of their team's game. Give them a full offseason. They got rid of Damian Williams. I think the, the the stars are aligning for him to have a big, big year. And he costs you, what, a 3.5 to 4.1 pick? The risk is baked in. Yep. And it, it was weird at the goal line how they literally just kept running the same play. I I, I swear, all the, it was just that dive. Like every – just right up the middle – they never changed from that. Super, super weird. Yeah, and 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 he had like a, I want to say it was three or four touchdowns called back in the year too. You know, Cl- Clyde was doing well. There were some categories like yardage wise, he was at one point like three or four. <laughs> you know, like he was doing well in a couple categories. He just wasn't getting touchdowns. Bad play calling. Um, could they could they phase him out of games? That's the real risk. The risk isn't Clyde's talent. The risk isn't Clyde's goal line potential. The risk isn't Clyde's TD uh, ability to get in the end zone, his nodes for the end zone. It's that could he get phased out of the game? Now, yes, he could, but if they get him involved in the PPR game, if they make him a staple in the PPR game, then he's protected. He can't be game scripted out. And if Sammy Watkins is gone, not saying that that's like, you know, the 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 determining factor of whether Clyde turns around is Sammy's okay. Somebody will absorb a lot of the targets, probably Michael Hardman, probably a combination of, of Robinson and Michael Hardman, but Clyde will be leaned on more. Um, Reed does have a tendency to give rookies like more work uh, heading into their second year. So we'll see what happens. And not everybody's, uh, you know, cream hunt in that situation, but you know, I, I, I like Clyde a lot. I like him a lot. So one last question I got before we get into the next running back. What would you say if you just had to boil it down to one thing that is super important to you when you're scouting these rookie running backs, what would that be? Um, it, it's, it's gut feeling to me. Uh, I, I know I use a lot of stats and, and data, um, but I would say a majority of what helps me make these bold prediction calls that I've been doing for the 18 years is kind of my, 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 my niche or whatever 
is is just my gut, man, of watching these players. Sometimes I, I miss on them. Sometimes the situation kills the prediction, and I'm like, you know, God, I know I'm right. This sucks, you know, and, and I, I'm, I'm wrong, though, you know, because ultimately it's my responsibility to to read the situation, the talent, the injury possibilities, like everything. So it falls on me, and I take responsibility for all my misses. But it, it's gut instinct, and when I see Najee Harris, I see a, a Lynch, you know, a guy that could be good. I don't think he'll be he could he could develop. Like I, I, I'm not. It's not an absolute. Like he won't be a top five running back. He could. He could definitely be a top five running back in the right spot, though. I could change my tune and and people say, oh, you're you're flipping back and forth. No. I'm making a prediction now before the landing spots, which a lot of people say, why do you make predictions about rookies when you don't know the landing spots? Because it's what I do. People are waiting for it, asking for it, drafting before. Some people draft all the players in a, in, a, in a dynasty startup in February. So I have to start predicting for those people. Not everybody lives in Bob's world where <laughs> you do redraft only, you know? So I have to cater to all these things. So, Right now, what I know now, based on talent and gut only in some historical college data, ETN feels like the the better shot, a little more risk, but the better shot of being a top five running back, ETN feels six to 10. Now, six to 10 is still good. Six is right next to five. <laughs> so a good situation could turn Harris into a top five running back. But gut instinct tells me that ETN Buffalo, what if ETN's in Buffalo? You know, will Buffalo use the running back right? I think they will if they have ETN. And we'll see. We'll see. The landing spots will tell a lot. And and like I said, Javonta Williams could could climb to everybody's, including my number one overall rookie running back spot. It's the situation. Yeah, and I hate the people who are like, uh, yeah, why are you doing this so early and stuff? But it's just uh, it's just fun. That's all it is. Yep. Another combine update. <laughs> yep yep gotta always bring in the news and make sure that i'm always updated <laughs> but yeah I, I hate the people who are just like oh why are you guys drafting so early all this stuff can happen it's just because it's fun and we want to talk football like what's wrong with that yeah all right so Najee, um do you think he's gonna be more of a derrick henry ish guy who I'm just using the comp because he's freaking huge and went to Alabama. A uh, guy who doesn't really get too much work in the pass game. Like, is he going to be like a one-trick pony between the – obviously, landing spot makes a difference, but I am just want to get your thought about that. Is he going to be just an in-between-the-tackles guy, or you think he's someone who can handle getting receptions? Yeah, he can. I mean, he can catch. He, he'll do fine um, as a PPR guy. I think all these running backs now, they're – like, like when you think about five years ago, six years ago, there was a big difference between PPR and non-PPR. And when you're looking, especially looking at the running backs, now it's like even with, with Henry, he doesn't fall too far in a PPR only because he gets so much volume in TDs. Now, Derek Henry's a whole other topic. He's he's kind of, a, a, I think, riskier than people think heading into 2021, given the 2,000-yard season and what that does to the body. He's a different person, so you gotta you got to factor that in and realize he's a beast. He's a monster, but you know, a lot of weight hitting the ground over and over and, and all this work between the tackles. Sometimes it happens like that, you know, and, and, so, yeah. and a lot of it has to do with that 2000 yard season. Um, historically making a running back, not bring even close to the same numbers that, that following year. But um, I think Harris is going to be, I think he's going to be good, but again, it comes down to situation. If he lands with a team that's going to throw the football to him, look at Clyde, he landed in a team 
on a team where we thought he was going to get the football more than any rookie, and he didn't. So it, it's tough to know. Um, what if he lands on a team that doesn't have a good quarterback? You know, if, if I like Harris in, in Miami for the long term, but I don't like Tua, I don't believe in Tua, and I don't know that, that that's going to be a great PPR situation in year one for Harris. So there's so many factors at play. I think ETN's more built to be a, a PPR guy right away and be more protected if he gets in the right spot. But Javonta Williams, you know, is a guy that I think gets overlooked a lot when he could be the number one in the right spot if he went to Pittsburgh or, um, you know, in, you know, again, Miami's going to be good long term and, and pretty decent short term, but there's just some opportunities elsewhere that give that PPR perspective, you know. Yeah, for sure. And then let, let's just jump right into Javonta because, I mean, everyone's heard about Najee. Someone who is being a little bit overlooked, a bigger workhorse guy, plays for North Carolina, though. So th- is that one of the reasons why he's being pushed down farther down the boards? On, on who? On which one? On Javonte. I don't know why people are pushing Javante down. I, I think he's he could be a climber really quick. Like if you remember Jonathan Taylor climbed boards fast. He wasn't number yeah. everyone's number one running back, and then all of a sudden he was, and it was really quick. And it was like you know everybody was real excited. Then Clyde landed in Casey, and then Casey you know he he turned into everybody's number one. But you know Javante Williams has an opportunity to to climb real fast. Um, we'll see. And, and, and it's just, you know, it's just one of those things where these receivers like Jamar Chase and Devonta Smith, Kyle Pitts at tight end, the two quarterbacks, they're going to be good regardless, no matter what it's, it's the running backs. There will be one or two really, really good, like potentially two top 12 running backs and one top six to 10, at least top six to 10 running back from this draft class. But it's, we don't know the answer until the landing, the landing spots. It's just kind of one of those years. There just isn't, they're all very, very good. Like Chuba Hubbard, I keep going back to Chuba Hubbard. He could be the the best running back in this draft class if he lands in the right spot. If Chuba Hubbard lands in a place where they're going to use him, like Washington uses Gibson, they understand Gibson, they feed Gibson, they give him the opportunities on the ground, through the air, touchdown opportunities. Then Chuba could be the number one. Like it's it's just that crazy. Carter could be you know a top two running back if he's in the right spot. What if Chuba Hubbard goes to Arizona? You know, that's that's a place I see Chuba Hubbard maybe sliding to. And he could either not get used right there or he could be a monster. It's tough to know. But I like him in a place where he can climb and be the the, the top running back. You know, I, I'd rather Chuba be in maybe a little bit more cloudy situation that he can take advantage of and, and create his own destiny if the offense is built good enough to use him. Like, I, I, I want him to go somewhere where the offense could support his play once he gets the shot. I don't want him to go to a place where there's an opening, but they don't have the offensive support to make him into a Camara. Yeah, and Chuba, I mean, he's someone who I'm super interested in because I don't follow, um, I I don't watch as much uh, college as I should, but Chuba, I know in 2019, freaking almost 2,100 yards, uh, 21 touchdowns, balled the fuck out, but during this COVID, you know, ridden 2020, he didn't play as much. And did he get hurt or did he opt out? I didn't. He got hurt and then he opted out to, to save himself and, and be healthy for the, the NFL. Um, so a lot of people are going to, uh, you know, look at his stat line and not realize he opted out a part of it. And, and you know, I, I, I think, I think, it, you know, him 
him him doing that it didn't like help his draft status but i think with with chuba hubbard like camara it's just going to come down to one team's got to buy into him one team has to draft him and say we know we know the talents there we're not going off of oh you know one stat one one year of where he, he supposedly did bad like he still he still looked good at times and i i think you know you you got to look at 2020 19 if you're going to evaluate chuba hubbard and to understand his potential uh because i don't i don't think any talent dropped off i don't i'm not worried about an injury the dude the dude's got what it takes to be uh an elite running back at the nfl level if used properly but i can't stress enough when i say that he's my favorite running back in this draft class that i can't draft him there um i certainly know the risks and it's a 50 50 chance at best that a team drafts him like washington not washington drafting them, but like a team like Washington that understands what they have, you know, instead of saying, Oh, we got a guy that we like on third down. Like that's not gonna, that's not gonna make him into a star. He needs to go somewhere. Someone goes, this it could be Alvin Kamara. And then that, yeah. that's going to have an opportunity. Hell yeah. These coaches need to get a little, I'm we're seeing now a little bit more than ever that they are starting to adapt things for players specifically, instead of just trying to run their playbook, you know, the exact way that they wrote it. Um, so yeah, hopefully Chuba does go to, uh, to a good spot. Cause I'm, I really want to see him get out there, um, after a shitty 2020 season. All right. So you're five and six and you just got him at both at number five. You got Michael Carter and Trey Sermon. Um, let's talk about Michael Carter first. What do you think he's Where do you think he could end up and why do you got him in your top five? He's a beast from Ohio state for sure. Yeah. I mean, he's just, you know, it, I hate to say the same thing over and over, you know, because it, it just it matters if a team buys into him. Like, we know ETN's going to find a starting job. We yeah. know that um, the, the, the uh, Najee Harris is finding a starting job. Past Javonta Williams, the top three running backs, we don't know. You know, Trey Sermon could land in a really cloudy situation, you know, or he could land in Pittsburgh you know, where he could be the lone starter or something. So Sermon is one of those guys that I feel like is very undervalued. Even my own mind, like when I, when I'm talking about him, I'm telling you I'm undervaluing him. Like he's got a lot of power. Um, he's got that power and size and, and uh, ability to just run people over and, and I think get better. He can get better at other aspects of his game that might be, you know, maybe lesser in the reason why people overlook him, but if he's in the right spot, I like him a lot. If, if a team, you know, drafts him to back up another, like, you know, these run, the thing about the running backs is 10 years ago, four running backs would go like in the top 40, you know? Yeah. And now one goes in the top 30, maybe, maybe that's, you know, some years you won't have anybody go in the first round of a running back, but if one or two go in the top 40, 45, the draft capital and the investment, the cost of of investing is so low that a team like uh, the the Panthers could draft Sermon because he could fall to a place where it's a no brainer, and they don't like the other options on the board. And when a player is your number one on your board, and you're in the third round, fourth round, whatever, you don't care if if you are drafting a running back at that point. So he could go to a place like that, and that that's my fear. But Sermon. In a in a potential starting role, I like a lot. Same thing with Carter. Um, Carter had what do you have last year? Twelve hundred forty five rushing yards. Um, led the nation in carries of fifteen yards or more. So he's a big play 
potential guy. I like Carter a lot. And the same thing though, you know, and, and he's a little bit smaller. Um, size wise, he's not much smaller than ETM, but he, but he's shorter. So, uh, you know, I don't know how teams are going to view Carter as a full-time guy. Like it, it always sucks when you got, when you like a guy like Chuba Hubbard or you like a guy like Carter and then you see a team come out and say, yeah, they could be a good third down back or something. And you're like, Oh my God, you know, <laughs> they're just going to ruin this player's value. And I feel like sometimes fantasy worlds know how to scout a player's potential end outcome better than some, you know, teams, because we look at what's most likely to produce on, on a, a, a amount of points and production that you can only do if you can do the other thing. So it's, it, sometimes I wonder what a, an organization, how an organization would benefit to have some fantasy football minds in the, in the scout room, because we look at it from like the, the, we like reverse engineer it, like what could happen at the end. And then that tells a story about how the, how good the player is going to be on all the other facets and levels. So Carter could be a beast. Sermon could be a beast. This, this draft class is loaded with guys that have that like t- 10 to like 18 overall value in fantasy. It's just a matter of like, which three of them are going to land good spots. Yep. And Stu said, Smitty, I know your answer. I'm a member and watch all the time as a, a proud manager of uh, lamb in all of <laughs> three hustlers, uh, dynasty leagues and Judy in two or three, please share your thoughts on them. Uh, please. Yeah. Um, you got two guys. I love, I mean, lamb, I feel so my breakout wide receivers last year were DK, AJ Brown, um, and and uh, I, in all fairness, I had Hollywood Brown as a breakout too. But but DK and AJ Brown are in that top five club. Like maybe maybe they finish seven. Like you're talking about like 10, 15 point difference, maybe between five and seven or whatever. But Lamb, I'm putting in my top five this year. I'm not drafting him there. You don't need to draft him there. You can draft him as a, a wide receiver two or three. In some cases, it depends on your league. Sometimes in my mock drafts, Lamb goes to the freaking – he goes at like 2.08. I'm like, what are you guys doing? You're ruining his ADP because we you know we're high on <laughs> him and communities will will share opinions, right? Especially when you go on a, a show and you pump somebody up. So I think in a real world outside of our mock draft community, he's still going in like three, four, round three, round four, round three probably. But I think the hype like AJ Brown is going to climb and you're going to see him go like at the top of round three. And if he, if he breaches the second round, I'm going to be pissed <laughs> because I want, I want that AJ Brown and DK Metcalf ceiling value. And I think lamb could outperform late second round value, but I, I don't want to be messing around with that. I want him at third, fourth round value so we can explode and win you a league, but lamb top five, Judy needs a quarterback. Mark my words, if if Denver maneuvers into a good quarterback situation, everyone's going to pretend they love Judy as a top 10 to 12 wide receiver. The dude's got got to catch the football. I get that. He's working on some things. Nobody's perfect coming out. But a lot of guys had drops. Adams, you know, a lot of good good wide receivers had similar drops to, to Judy. But Judy's a phenomenal route runner. There are NFL D-backs that have been interviewed that have said that the hardest player to guard in the NFL is Jerry Judy. And that that's, you know, coming off a rookie year. So Jerry Judy has got a lot of things he's going to do in the coming years. And not every receiver is going to produce like Justin Jefferson and CD lamb did as rookies. It just doesn't happen. Situation has got to be perfectly aligned with that player, with that kind of talent, that ready-made talent. 
I think Judy had it, but he didn't have the situation. So he's a great guy to go trade for now because he's got top 10 wide receiver potential, but you won't even have to pay near top 10 wide receiver value. Yeah, just needs that quarterback. Just needs someone uh, throwing him the rock. All right, Trey Sermon. So he was the one from Ohio State. I, I said Michael Carter and Ohio State. But, yeah, Trey Sermon's the one who went to Ohio State. And I've seen him a little bit higher on people's uh, boards compared to, like, Michael Carter. You got him, like, right back to back. Another big guy, uh, over six feet, 215 pounds, big bruising back. You think that uh, – where do you think that he is going to land? Sermon? Yeah. Um, well, like as I, I alluded to, I think, you know, it, it, we just – I mean, it's guesswork at this point. Like I'd, be, I'd just be pulling it out of my ass, man, to tell you a, a name. It, these guys will fall so far that any team is capable of taking him, any team. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if he was drafted to like – the Panthers to back up Christian McCaffrey because they lost Mike Davis and Sermon would be a fantastic backup. And while everybody that loves Sermon is going to go crazy and go, what are you talking about? He's a starting running back. The <laughs> NFL, these coaches don't, they won't see it that way. Most likely he could be that guy like Clyde popped up and became, you know, a star like that because no one saw teams viewing. Like I loved Clyde, but even I didn't think a team would view him as the number one overall running back. Uh, so, you know, Sermon could, all it takes is one team, one team. If they, if Miami says he's the guy and they draft him in the first round, that can happen. Anything can happen. But the, the odds are, the odds are there are a number of running backs that will get drafted ahead of Sermon that forces Sermon into a dangerous territory of unknown landing spots, which most times are going to be cloudy, and not as great as everybody had hoped. And really, I mean, the hype is on the top three guys. You already talked about it. Najee, Travis Etienne, and Javante Williams. Those are guys who probably will be starters. Do you think there's a good chance that nobody besides those guys gets drafted in the top two rounds? Yeah, there's there's always that chance with running backs these days. Um, I think Etienne and, and Harris have a shot at both going in the first round which will feel unusual because we barely got a running back drafted in the first round last year. So it was the last pick yep. of the Chiefs. So, um, you know, it's tough to know. It's just the running back is devalued so much and everybody's in unison on it. <laughs> like it'd yeah. be different if like four or five teams didn't feel that way. They could kind of keep – it's kind of like in a league where you make a big trade and it triggers a whole bunch of other trades. But if no one's trading, no one trades. And so I feel like it's the same way with the NFL. No one's drafting running backs, so no one's going to budge, and, and you're just going to see people fall. But, you know, I think Javonta Williams, ETN, and Najee all go in the top 50. And then past that, man, it's it's guesswork. It's com like no one knows. Anybody that says that they know, they're making a guess, and that's fun. But I, I just, you know, even, even my three running backs going in the top 50s, like guesswork. But, you know, it's just my educated guess on how many, you know, how, be, because ETN is ranked by some teams as the number one running back, I can't imagine him falling much past the first 10 picks in round two. And and because Javonta Williams has talked about as potentially being the second best running back, and some some might say the first, he I feel like that same thing's going to happen where there's only so far he's going to fall past that. Carter could go in the fourth round or the third round. 
um, or the second, like you don't know. Sermon could go around two or round four. One of those two could get undrafted. Like it's so crazy, you know. It, it, it's you know, the, and, and the other running backs we might go over in a second. It's like even it gets even cloudier. Um, you know whether it's going to be like even Gain- Gainwell, man. Like I don't know, I don't know where teams view him. I don't know how how teams see uh, Gainwell and, and his potential as a starting running back. He's one ninety one, I believe is his weight, five eleven. Uh, tough to know if anybody's going to rank him as the fourth or third or fifth ranked running back, but some people in fantasy have him around that range, and it's hard to hard to know where to put him when te- you don't know where teams view him. Yep, yeah, it's weird how in the NFL running backs are like QBs in a one QB fantasy league, where it's just they just keep getting pushed, nobody cares about them. It's super weird to me, but um, shortest lifespan out of any position, so. I guess it makes sense. Now, we broke down six players. I want to hear just four names, four guys that you really like. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's all going to be about landing spot, but just four guys that you're kind of high on um, outside of these six that you mentioned already. I I wish there was a way to, like, I honestly almost hesitate to even do it because I feel like it's, it's at some point, it's literally, you know, going to be so much off base of what really happens, like whether it's Herbert or um, God, who, who would I even, cause I'm putting well, Hubbard is, in there. A lot, a lot of people yeah. wouldn't put Hubbard in there. But and you this guys, is just for, it's just for fun. That's another yeah, yeah, thing. No, no, no. I know. I, I just, but like, even, <laughs> even, a, even a guy like um, I'm trying to even, even evaluate some of these guys and say, you know, what kind of frame does he have? Like uh, Elijah Mitchell, um, what do you think? Of, what do you think of Gainwell? Ga- so yeah, and, and I mentioned him. Gainwell, I I wonder if he's going to be big enough because I don't I don't know that I see him holding up. I don't view him like a, uh, an Alvin Kamara necessarily. And at one ninety one, it's hard to envision a team investing in him to be their full time guy. Um, he shared uh, the backfield with what Antonio Gibson, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, so there's a lot of, a lot of buzz around him lately. And I've seen him go in like the top three or four and some rookie only mock drafts and some people hyping him up pretty big, but it's, it's pretty hard. He's more of like a scat back. I don't know that I would, I don't know that I'd feel, and that's what, how I feel about a lot of these other running backs. I feel like none of them are going to really land. You never know. You never know. Um, none of them are probably going to land in a, in a really ideal spot, but Gainwell in the right situation. I suppose could be decent. Like if he, he landed uh, behind, like, let's say a guy that had no backup, like Barkley or landed in a situation like um, in Carolina, let's say, you know, to back up Christian McCaffrey and, and they need another, you know, that, that would be an ideal spot for any one of these guys, but gain Gainwell is probably going to be, I'd say the consensus next guy up from after the guys that we've listed. And some people have them above Hubbard, when I say Chuba Hubbard is one of my favorite running backs in this draft class or my favorite running back, not necessarily my number one ranked running back, because again, I don't know that he's going to be believed in. Most people have gained well ahead of Chuba Hubbard. And, and I get a lot of pushback on the Chuba Hubbard ranking. Yeah, I, I've been seeing that too. And I guess it just depends on who you ask. Cause yeah, Gainwell, I mean, I like him. I, I like seeing everything that I saw on tape, but 
yeah, like you said, a scat back, you know, and when, if you get that label, it's a, that's a dirty word. It's almost like game manager for a QB. It's like, you're, you're going to be just a piece. You'll, you'll never get too much put on you. And I'm yeah. curious to see where he goes for sure. Um, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of like the next guy up that I, that I would like at, at the running back position. And it's like, it's, it's just so hard to even, even differentiate some of these guys after Gainwell, um, you know, if, if we're talking, I mean, Jam- Jamar Jefferson's probably the next guy up, I would say. Okay. Um, if, if I had to guess, and, and let me pull up some of his stats too, because he, he's probably not a guy a lot of people even know about um, or even, even you know, see it mock drafted high at all. But he's 5'10", 217. So the thing I like about him, if we're going to go that deep, is that he has the frame that you typically want to see out of a starting running back at the NFL level uh, because he's above 215. Um, he's not like six two, but he's not five eight. So he's like about five ten, five eleven. Um, a lot of people are kind of hyped about him in, in very quiet circles. He's not a very you know widely known and t- widely talked about player, but I think he's young. Um, let's see what were some of the the highlights on him that I had. Uh, the Jefferson, biggest- right, one hundred forty three yards per game, um, career highs per attempt six point five. Um, 133 carries and 858 rushing yards during weeks 10 through 16 of the college season, his entire 2020 season. So, solid prospect, solid prospect. I think Elijah Mitchell, uh, similar frame, 215, two, uh, 5'10", 215. So these would be like my two guys that I think could climb or could land as backups to uh, running backs that maybe are injury prone and find their way into a lineup and be like a, a potential James Robinson. Like I'm not calling either James Robinson, but potential out of nowhere because no one's going to have high expectations with their landing spots. I really don't think either one, you know, anybody past like Hubbard and Sermon and, and maybe gain, maybe Gainwell. Gainwell's probably in this category too, where people have any expectation of them. In deep dynasty, they'll draft them, but um, yeah, that, that's I guess about where I would where I would stop and say like you're it's it's after Mitchell and after um, uh, Jefferson Hubbard that puts us at about ten, right? Yeah, yeah. We have, we we have Mitchell, 10. Jefferson, uh, Carter, and Sermon, and then on up is Hubbard and my, my other guys. Yeah, then it starts getting pretty far down in the weeds. And um, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm excited to hear the way that you broke them down. I've been seeing a bunch of lists all over the place. So I, I've only been into Dynasty since uh, last year, 2020, because of COVID. Uh, honestly, that was the reason why I got heavy into Dynasty. So I'm just having a fun time picking people's brains here in the process, um, here in the why behind the ranks are out there. So I appreciate you spending some time. This 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 wide receiver class, Kyle Pitts and the quarterbacks are where it's at, though, man. This draft, like this draft class, is arguably going to be one of the best we've seen in 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 a in a handful of years, if not a decade, and and for a handful of years in the future. And it all uh, is because of those other positions, the non running back positions, which is usually when you have a class, especially if we're talking about it from a fantasy perspective that is considered to be the best draft class. It has a couple of those big running backs. We will get one, maybe two, and I believe ETN will be the best from this draft class that helps 
vault this draft class above others, but it's those wide receivers. Like you have some people that argue Waddles better than than both Devonta Smith and Jamar Chase. I don't believe that, but I think that that indicates that there are three in most people's minds, three wide receivers that could be elite from this draft class. And there and you know there's Bateman. There's a lot of other people that love more Rondell Moore. Um, yep. Could be Tyreek Hill of the future. Like there's a lot of other good wide receivers that can still be very good. Like maybe a Justin Jefferson's hiding in that, that second group. I wouldn't put it past this wide receiver class at all, but, but Jamar chase Devonta Smith, who I think will translate. I disagree with anybody that says he's too small. These two guys have top one to five wide receiver potential, not yet as rookies. One of them could like Jefferson prove that, and I think Jefferson's kind of an outlier, but kind of a, a harbinger of things to come in terms of the ready-made players that come out of college these days. They're just built different. They're 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 yeah. learning things at a younger age. They're they're honing in on their craft at a younger age. They're picking picking their positions and what they want to do at the NFL, you know NFL level earlier, and they're they're just honing in on those skills earlier. And the quarterbacks are better. And that helps wide receivers be better. It's just like a Jamar Chase comes in and Jamar Chase will dominate immediately. Um, Devonta Smith, yeah. I think, will do very, very well. They both, you know, where they go will be a big factor. But I, I, I've been saying this since January. And and it got a ton of pushback until recently because of the, the, the news that's been breaking. But I think Cincinnati drafts Jamar Chase and pairs back Burrow and, and Chase together. And everybody's been screaming, O-line, O-line, O-line. <laughs> But what people don't realize is how impactful a Jamar Chase drafting is to that O-line. Um, not directly, but indirectly. Like you, you're going to give, you're going to see different defenses when you have Jamar Chase commanding double coverage on the outside. You're not yeah. going to be able to, to line up the same way as a defense and, and come in and, and sack Burrow over and over when you have a Jamar Chase stretching the field like a, a beast. Yeah. So my argument since January, and I've literally argued it, been in arguments with people on like clubhouse, like civil ones, but over and over and over that that Jamar Chase impacts the offensive line more than drafting an offensive lineman. And and partly because you're you're not going to not address the offensive line. You're going and getting an offensive line in the second round, third round, wherever you're going to 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 coach that up or whatever. So the question becomes is Jamar Chase and that option that you can coach up going to help that offensive line more than the offensive lineman in not getting that we weapon? Like if he can't deliver the football in dominating fashion and move the football down the field and move the chains, he's not going to get room and, and it's not going to matter who's blocking. He's still going to get sacked and, and take more, um, you know, hits and, and rushes. He was, it was like the worst in the league in terms of uh, being pressured and and a lot of that's because he can't you know get the the ball out quick enough because at T Higgins will be good make no mistake about it but T Higgins I think will become that Cortland Sutton type player yeah. if Jamar Chase ends up getting drafted to the the, the Bengals he'll be like Sutton was going to be a wide receiver one now can't because of Jerry Judy in my opinion I yeah. think the same thing will kind of happen to Higgins now if the Bengals draft an offensive lineman T Higgins does have. Uh, a place in the lower end of the wide receiver ones potentially in 2021. So I think T Higgins will develop. Yeah, I can agree with that. What up, Justin's going down. I feel like with the Bengals, just where they are, it's not like they're going to get Sewell. And I feel like, are you going to like 
jump up for an offensive lineman to get someone there and like overpay for someone or pull the trigger on someone like Jamar Chase who literally has who's already played with Burrow and they both like killed it. So I, I can get behind that. That's someone who's worth uh jumping for him. I He's feel generational. like He's generational. Like Oh for sure. You know, you you can you could take the lineman, um you can use the position of need argument and I'm not saying it's awful or that it's a dumb approach, but by far, by far, the most impacting player to that offense to help the offensive line to keep Burrow not only upright, but moving the football down the field and into the end zone is the ultimate goal. And and Jamar Chase does that with the other options that they can, you know, coach up or draft into for the offensive line. You're not just stuck not getting an offensive lineman. You have a draft that you're you're partaking in. You know, everyone acts like if they pass on the offensive lineman with that first round pick, that early pick, they aren't going to get a lineman. They're not going to address yeah. the offensive line. That's <laughs> not true. Like you're, you're, it's kind of like just saying, you know, like when you're, when you're drafting a quarterback early or something, that argument, like you're not, not drafting a running back or wide receiver. Eventually it's, you got to compare apples to apples. Who is the, you took a Mahomes early at 3.1 and people are laughing at you. And what wide receiver are you getting? My argument last year was you're getting a DK or an AJ Brown with Mahomes, and everyone's going to be like, "Oh yeah, well, I got this wide receiver in the second round." Well, I believe in DK and, and AJ Brown. They're going to be as good as your wide receiver here in the second round. But guess what? Your quarterback won't be as good as my Mahomes that you're getting back. And, and I could go both ways. I'm not saying I always draft quarterback early. I just defend it for people that like to to use that approach. But this is the same thing. Chase an offensive lineman versus offensive lineman and who who you're going to get for a wide receiver doesn't even come close in my mind. Hell yeah. One thing that I've been seeing, you, you could tell me because you've been scouting guys a lot longer than I have because I don't really scout them. It seems like these wide receivers, their route trees that they're coming up with right now and just, you know, just being a pure route runners seems like it's so much better than 10 years ago. Yeah, they're, they're I mean, rookie wide receivers came in like when Larry Fitzgerald came in, let's say, you know, that's, that was some years ago. Uh, these guys got like 804 or five. And that was all you could ever expect out of rookie wide receiver. Now, Justin Jefferson, 1400 yards. It's unbelievable. I'm not saying to expect that, but it's definitely not like out of the, the question anymore. And if anybody's going to catch 12 TDs and, 1100 yards or 1200 yards as a rookie is going to be chaser smith and they could definitely do it like i could see it happening oh yeah justin says jamar chase catches <laughs> catches a, a td or first down i'll take that over any lineman there we go that's for sure they need to make some uh some they need to make some moves for their fans right now and the first round oh lineman that they're reaching for isn't going to be that move figure out how to trade for one or Get a free agent or something. Draft a guy in the second. I'll, I'll, I'm all for that. Yeah, and, and Lawrence and Wilson are another topic, man. Like, I, I just see these guys head and shoulders above the rest. I'm not saying that Lance or Fields couldn't be Justin Herbert-like. or I'm sorry, no, I mean uh, Jalen Hurts-like. Like, Justin Herbert and Burrow are kind of like the Wilson and Lawrence, you know, of, of this yeah. class. I think they might be better. The Jalen Hurts equates to the fields or Lance, in my opinion, and that's still good. Like Hurts has a potential. I'm not saying anybody should expect it, but he has the potential to be a six to ten 
fantasy quarterback with the running and everything. So Fields and Lance could get there, but that's still another level below where Wilson and uh, and Lawrence are, in my opinion. Like I did a I did a poll on my Twitter, and I, I haven't looked at it lately, but the first two hours into it had like you know about a hundred votes or something, and it was Burrow and Herbert in a dynasty two QB dynasty startup. Mm-hmm. Burrow and Herbert or Lawrence and Wilson, and I <laughs> thought it, I thought Burrow and Herbert would win, but it was like ninety two percent of the hundred votes in that first hour or two. I was Crazy. like, wow, like that's <laughs> you know to me that's a little shocking because I thought there'd be some people, especially with dynasty hats on, that are like, no, I really really like where Wilson and Lawrence are landing. I really like their potential long term. I I I I think both could be top. The problem is we're running out of, of top five spots because there's so many good quarterbacks. That's why I say that it, you know, the difference between five and seven might be like 15, 20 points. So we really have like seven quarterbacks fighting for these top five spots. Yeah. But, um, you know, both could be top five quarterbacks, in my opinion. I really, really believe that about Wilson and Lawrence. Lawrence is the real deal. Dude's got flow and and uh, uh, just a presence about him that feels Peyton Manning-like. I think Wilson has a touch of – a couple different quarterback comparisons, but feels a little Mahomes-like with his ability to kind of magically move around and make things happen and and, and just get get things done. Like he's just he's just kind of uh, a, like a magician, and he looks so young, and that makes him look small for whatever reason. The dude's six two or six three. Like he's yeah. not a small guy. Um, he just looks like it because he looks like he's like eighteen years old. You know. So, I thought he looked like he was 15. I think you're getting yeah. him. <laughs> and, that, and that makes him look smaller. You know, you, you, yeah. you, you just can't, you, the face he has, you can't picture that being a six foot two or six foot three person. So, you know, I've seen comments where like, no, he looks too small. He's not small at all. <laughs> he's six, two, six, three. He's fine. He's got that baby face. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Give me money. I'm excited for any running back to land with Arizona or Atlanta, especially with now they got Arthur Smith and is going to enforce the run one way or another. Yeah, Arizona's interesting because they, you know, they're still getting to getting a feel for how they want to de- deploy that offense in general. Um, Drake, they could have used a whole hell of a lot more in the passing game and didn't. And I don't know why. I don't know if I had to do with Kyler or if I had to do with the offseason or whatever. You know, so if they drafted Chuba Hubbard, I'm halfway really excited and halfway worried that we're gonna see some kind of weird, you know, fantasy split like we saw with Drake and 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 Edmonds didn't really eat into Drake's value was that it was, it was like Clyde. There's a lot of weird circumstances and, and, and almost like unfair to the fantasy owner, unfair unfoldings of how things shaped out and flow of game and weird lack of PPR work mixed with very productive rushing and touchdown production, making for an average performance. You know, it was like, you know, Drake, Drake, Drake was frustrating because he felt like he was doing Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Smitty, did I lose you? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Hello. 
<laughs> dang it. Okay. Well, we'll see if he hops back on. Uh, dang it. Technical difficulties. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Must be some internet connectivity going down. Let me see. I'm just going to pack my bowl real quick and smoke for a second. And uh, so we can finish this up with Schmidio. There he is. How about now? There we go. Yep, you're good. I don't know. What, I don't know if I was mine or yours or YouTube or whatever. I show I'm good, but who knows? Did yeah. You, so did, that are we still live? Yep. Yep. We're still we're okay. good. Um. Yeah. I think that Arizona's play calling last year was just garbage all around. There's just so many times where I was just so baffled on why they would keep running the same stupid play that doesn't seem to work. So yeah, I, I would be excited to see a guy like Chuba go to uh, to Arizona, but I totally understand what you mean of being like nervous because yeah, I don't know what was up with their play calling? It just feels like um um. You know, it's, 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 it's just frustrating, you know, like, like I was saying, I think Drake was top five or six and, you know, rushing yards and touchdowns at certain points in the year. And you're like, but why is he ranked 20, you know, 18th in running backs? It's just, it was PPR and it was just weird, weird situation. So hopefully that doesn't translate into this, you know, whatever running back takes over. I think, again, I think AJ Dillon, uh, the, the, the Chase Edmonds situation smells a lot like AJ Dillon where, you know, everyone's hyped and hyped and then disappointed. And I think there's no way the Cardinals don't address the running back position. And sure, they say we love Chase Edmonds. We, you know, Gruden says he loves his fourth running back as much as he loves his quarterback, you know, like, so, <laughs> you know, coaches go, are going to answer questions that they're asked. Like, hey, do you love Chase Edmonds? No. You know, they're not going to do that. It's, you know, he's awesome. He could carry our whole team. He's great. Okay, let's draft Chuba Hubbard. Like, who knows what they're going to do? But the sermon, they could draft sermon. Like that's what I was saying earlier. Sermon could fall anywhere. Um, and imagine if he fell to the Cardinals. That would be pretty exciting. He'd be a really good running back between the tackles. He's very div different than Chase Edmonds. If I'm the Cardinals, I probably do draft a between the tackles guy. Sermon yeah. would probably fit the bill to fall to the right spot. And imagine feeding Sermon 15 carries a game. You know, that would open up the 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 pass even more. It'd help help Kyler Murray a lot develop. He can't see over the line. So he's got to get to the outside and, you know, do his thing, but he'll become more accurate. And uh, Kyler, Kyler is exciting, but he's also scary. And, and there was talk here in Arizona, very rumor based. Let me, let me emphasize rumor based, not coming from the team. Um, so many people freaked out when I did this YouTube video on this update, but the rumor is on, on high, you know, ranking websites and, and radio shows in the Valley here that the Cardinals should uh, trade. And this is before all the room, all the, the news broke on Watson, but should trade Kyler and a first rounder for Deshaun Watson. And that it was, mm. you know, something that should get kicked around. And most people were like, you know, Kyler is already there. Kyler's as good. Why would you do that? That would be stupid. But the more you look at it and break it down prior to the, to the, that broke out on Watson it would have been a solid move to pair Hopkins back up with Watson. They're already yeah. familiar. Watson's just a different uh, on a different level right now. Not that Kyler can't get there, but um, you know, watching Kyler, he has a tough time staying in the pocket. He has a tough time making certain throws and a tough time being clutch in certain situations. But 
I think he can develop, and, and a, a sermon would definitely help the offense a lot. Yeah, I'm curious to see what Arizona does because they have a lot of potential. They definitely didn't live up to it. Um, I mean, at certain times they did, but I feel like Kyler, the way that their running game was going, like the play action never worked. So if they Thank can get you. someone in there to make the play action work, then we might see a different offense. Yeah. Thanks, Stu. Thanks, Stu, for the the super chat. Appreciate you. All right. Well, Schmitty, I, I appreciate you spending your time. I'll let you go. I won't keep you too much longer, but uh, I appreciate you breaking down all these rookies. Appreciate you sharing the come up. And I appreciate your attitude of only competing with yourself because initially, you know, I, everybody was competition to me in 2020. That was my mindset. And then I just, I've totally switched from that realizing that there's a lot of people in this industry who do it for fun, who don't even care about trying to turn it into a business or anything. And now I'm of that mindset. I'm in my own lane. Um, I want to network with as many people as possible, but the only competition is myself. So I appreciate you uh, saying yeah. that earlier. And, and not to, not to like try and, and, and put the, you know, put a damper on the, on the pipe dream too. Cause you, you can definitely get there. Anybody can get there. I mean, you could go, I mean, it depends on the platform, but like, for example, you could go on, not that TikTok pays the bills, believe it or not, people are so, um, I think, uh, mis misguided on like what, what person looks like they're full time or what person's like, just cause you have a hundred thousand followers on IG doesn't mean you're making any money. You have to know what you're doing on all other different levels and have different things, uh, you know, products and stuff like that. So, uh, a lot of people think that they see someone with 20k and IG, they're like, oh my god, they must do this for a living. It's like not even close. Like you know, it's 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 a different thing than people think. A different monster to be bringing in revenue and doing it full time. But not to put a damper on the potential, but not very very few people in the industry are doing this on a full time basis. Very few. And so you know, people people put up a facade about it too. You know, like oh, I do this full time, and they don't. It's good to be honest and 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 be yourself during your journey too because people like that like a lot of your followers in here probably appreciate that you're on the up and coming you know radar versus pretending you're you know already there it gives off a different feel and and there's a personality that you have that, that's different with your mindset now and your honesty about it versus if you just came out and pretended you, you know fronting oh i do this for it changes everything about you so honesty people knowing your journey knowing your story is a good thing you know like even i i'm still a very very small fish in a big pond in the video world like i'm not even close to to big time in in many ways on on that front so like you know my fall i don't fake that with my followers either and, and they love that they're a part of something from the ground up and and they like they know that it's going to get big and we're going to do huge things and they're going to be a part of it from day one and so you know it's a cool cool thing and, and there's nothing wrong with being honest about it but work hard work really hard um you know, don't focus so much on everybody and understand that the sliver that you need to to slice off of the big pie is, you know, the pie is huge. There's a, enough to go around. You know, all you got to do is get a little piece of it and you're going to you're going to be fine. It's just takes time, hard work and falling into a niche that works for you, finding your own voice. And and if it's going to work, like I said, it's going to work. Your worst case scenario is you have this awesome side hustle that probably still brings in good income and you you enjoy it and you have a passion about it. And that's like your worst case scenario, you know, so just think of it that way. Like there's nothing you can lose. Just be you and see what happens. Yep. And um, 
he's speaking to everybody else. Cause even for someone like me, I am full-time full-time money isn't coming in. Um, but I'm a hustler and we're going to figure out right. how to make all this work. And that is, is going down. And Eric, thanks for reminding me, promote your Patreon more, jack up those subscribers, go get signed up. Fantasyfootballhustler.com. Patreon is the top link. Um, that's all I do is, uh, interact with the fantasy community, do these uh, videos. Uh, I'm really appreciating um, everybody who's uh, been around. Will, appreciate you for being here. Give me money. Appreciate you, bro. Stu, appreciate you. All right, Smitty. I'm sure everybody here already knows where to find you, but uh, please feel free to plug anything you want. Yeah. um, So uh, I don't know if I can change cameras here real quick. Let me see if I can. Uh, hold on. Bear with me. <laughs> so here's here's the studio. Nice. And and this is where this is where the show is going to be. So Tuesdays and Thursdays. I think I, I don't know if you can still hear me. Um, let yep. me let me switch. You're good. Mic. Let me switch mics real quick. Um, and you're good. I can hear you. If you can there. hear me now, you can hear me good, right? Yep. So we're not live. But we're in the spot where we'll be live Tuesdays and Thursdays here on the fantasyfootballshow.com. That's where they can find me or go to smitty1.com. But every Tuesday and Thursday, 4 p.m., 7 p.m. Eastern. And it's just, man, it's it's a blast. Like I did my first show on uh, Tuesday, yesterday, and it flew by. And it's just going to be, it's just going to get better and better, man. So this is where I'll be. You'll see me right here in the command center. Um, appreciate you having me on. Hell yeah, man. Appreciate you spending your time and uh, appreciate the hustle that you're talking about here. Cause that's all I do. Uh, That's why the fantasy football hustler is my name out of all these goofy ass names that uh, I was thinking about initially. uh, The hustler fits me. And um, that's all I'm going to do is keep hustling. Well, keep doing it, bro. And uh, yeah, I'll, uh, well, are you on, you're on Instagram? Yep. Okay. I'll, I'll look you up on, yeah. uh, Yeah. I mean, we DM'd on Instagram, but you're, are you, Your your show or it's is that your your actual handle for your show? I I'm sorry, I gotta I gotta look in, into that. <laughs> Check out your Instagram content more. I'm so busy, man. I don't know. Sometimes I don't know if I'm getting DM from like a personal account or whatever. But I gotta look at your hustle. I found you on. Are we we talked on Clubhouse, right? Yep, that's, that's where we started talking. Okay, yeah, I'm on Clubhouse a lot too, and um, I've been putting more time on that. I've been putting a lot of time on that, and that's kind of a fun little platform uh, to grow on and, and help people and. I think we we're talking about like how to build your channel and build all that. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's a, that's a really good place to do that. So you'll, you'll find me over there too. And maybe we together, we can help some other people that are starting out because, you know, you have good insight on, because you're, you know, you're freshly there, you know, building this thing up. And so, you know, you have as much insight as anybody to talk about it. Cause you know, you're, you're, you're proof that, you're on your way. This is what you decided to do. This is what you've learned as you've, you know, rolled into your first year. This is your first full year. Did you do half of a year last year? Uh, first full year of, uh, of content. Yeah. So I, I got August was when I, when I started doing more, more videos and stuff and, and started getting full force just right as the season started, as far as like giving advice and stuff, I started a fantasy football advice group on Facebook like six years ago. And there's like, almost 19,000 people in there. So it was wow. mostly just text and, you know, answering, starting sick questions, you know, just through social media and then now kind of spawned into this. 
How how is that still? Because Facebook is just like falling flat. Like, is there engagement in there still, or how is that oh, group? Fuck yeah, man. I mean, I know that a lot of groups on Facebook, like just fantasy groups in general, they die as soon as the season's over. We're a bigger group. I make sure to keep doing things to keep it active. So there's a lot of Tom Brady posts and stuff that happens because everybody fucking loves talking about Tom Brady. And I like poking the bear a little bit, just calling him the greatest game manager of all time. And uh, so little things like that, just kind of keep it going. And the Facebook group for like my live streams, when I do question and answer live streams, that was the biggest contributor to me growing on YouTube yeah. because I would do the live streams in there and I would just keep telling everybody, go subscribe on YouTube while you're listening to this. Yeah. Well, hit, hit me up. Uh, I, and maybe we'll do something. It, maybe we'll do some kind of like test run, uh, one-off little, little sideshow in the, in the Facebook world or something like that in that community. That might be a fun little thing to try out. Um, cause Facebook, uh, yeah, Facebook is something I, I need to do a little more, but like I, I Twitter, Facebook, I just haven't had time to it, cause Instagram popped for me so quickly and YouTube that I put all my energy into that. Um, and so, you know, Instagram, how many followers you got on Instagram? Uh, I think like 800. So Instagram's like one of my smallest platform. It's out of yeah, it's hard. It's, you know, I can, I can definitely DM you and share some insight on, on how to grow on there, but it's, you know, don't, don't feel like, don't feel like if one platform, you know, do, if one works for you better than the other is, I'm not saying don't ignore another one, but like, if you've got one that's working, you know, you, you only got so much time, you know, you're going to delight, dilute something. So, um, you know, keep, keep grinding with what works, but like, I'll reach out to you and we'll try and do something on Facebook. Cause I need to, I need to get on Facebook and that may be a fun thing for, for our communities to, to maybe we come up with some little tiny, uh, once a week little show or something. Yeah, for sure. And even right now, right now we're streaming into Facebook on a couple different um, pages on Facebook into the group. We're streaming on YouTube and Twitter and Twitch. So yeah, I make sure to stream into everywhere that I can to get as many eyeballs. Yeah. Um, what about sports me? The sports me app. Have you heard about that yet? Yeah, they've reached out to me a couple times, and I uh, let me let me switch here because I feel weird talking to you from so far away. Um, <laughs> I uh, I just you know it comes down to. It comes down to um, the time that I have, man. Because, like, I literally, I literally, like, I have, I have Chick Fil A that's sitting out in the in the kitchen that I brought home that I haven't even eaten yet. Like, it's like that's how my life is. Like, I have no extra time at all to even figure out how to to attack another platform. I'm not like die hard on. Um, you know, I know TikTok is a good platform for organic growth, but you know, it, it also isn't something that like it's the same environment. Like you, if you, I don't know if you ever, are you on TikTok? Yeah. And it's so like, you know, active. you what? Not too active. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, like you, you post something like I'll post something like, you know, AJ Brown, top five wide receiver. And I'd be like, you idiot. It's Amari Cooper moron. And it's like, you know, it's just a bunch of like keyboard tough guys <laughs> that, 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 you know, I, I, I think TikTok will eventually become the Instagram so like building on it's a smart thing because when it does transition over to being a valuable place to advertise or, or funnel people into your product, you'll have a good foothold because the, the, Oh, I'll wait Instagram. I don't need to post a picture. You know, that's dumb. Instagram 
after a certain point turned into a video platform, turned into a great place, stories, everything to be a, a full blown, you know, like show on. Um, and, and then once it became that it was a little late to come in and try and get a foothold. So it's always smart to get the foothold, but I find that that TikTok's just kind of like a, uh, you know, a strange, like people with a hundred, like there, there are people with like a hundred, 200,000 followers on TikTok that just, they don't, they don't even really provide that much value on their channel. Yeah. You know, it's like, let's go over the top five all time quarterbacks. Number one. Number two, number three, number four, number five. And that's it. Like, there's no value at all. There's like, you know, you, you, you didn't get anything from it. They get all these people that say, shout me out, shout me out, shout me out. Like, TikTok's just a, 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 like a wild west, man. And it yeah. doesn't, there's no sense, rhyme, or reason to anything. And I think people equate, you know, 20, they just want 20,000 followers or 50 somewhere. They don't care where it is. TikTok, Instagram. Well, let me you tell you, it's important, it's important where you have them. It's important yeah. where you have them having, uh, you know, uh, 10,000 YouTube followers is like equivalent to having like a hundred or 200 K Instagram followers. Like there's a yeah. big difference between those different subsets of people having a hundred K TikTok followers would feel good. Like, you know, you'd have some, some clout or some uh like a, a nice thing to show off like i got a hundred thousand tiktok followers but what are you getting out of them you know like eventually it will be a good thing to have like once tiktok transforms into an older crowd and it is every day but right now it's it's a lot it's a lot of uh you know screaming and yelling at you it feels a little <laughs> bit like the reddit forums you know if you post something on Reddit, have you ever posted a video on vet on reddit like hey watch my video no, I, I have like, not. You idiot. What are you doing in here? <laughs> it's like, you know, there's certain places that are, you know, not, you know, I've grown my brand on Instagram. I've grown my brand on YouTube. And I think that's where people go wrong is they, they just try and show up and just start forcing their brand on people like in, in yeah. the Instagram world or whatever. So you got to like cultivate it within that community. You got to understand the community and TikTok. Maybe it is yelling. Maybe I just go in there and go, what are you looking at? You know, and then I blow up and it's like, I got a bunch of people yell at me. I yell at them. Fantastic little hundred K family. I don't know, but you know, some of my most, like to give you an example, my most views on TikTok. I think I have a video that has like 300,000 views or something on TikTok, And it's of me dropping an iPad and the iPad was already broken. So I, I don't know if you remember my Todd Gurley video where I smashed it with a hammer. So it's that iPad. It's already smashed. <laughs> so I turn it upside down and I go, let me show you guys how to use both cameras. Oh, and I dropped the iPad and it smash, you know, smashes. <laughs> it's got 300 or something thousand views. And every single comment is, it was already broken. I saw it. He's lying. And it's like, <laughs> that's what generated all the views. Are those valuable views? Are those people loving? Do they want to buy my product? Do they want to follow me and listen to all my podcasts? Where's this guy at? I got to listen to him on an audio pod. <laughs> like, it's such a different, um, <laughs> you know, like, what are you getting out of those views? Yeah. Maybe ad dollars. <laughs> sure. So that could be the thing. And and once you get to that point, and, and it, it takes a little while to get to that point where you have to have so many views, you have to have so many there's certain criteria and then you get into the TikTok creator fund. And then once you get a certain amount of views, you get paid like that way. Yeah. So, you know, there is an advantage to it, but you got to put in a lot of time for that too. And are you taking away from something else? So you just got to kind of wait all out, man. Do as, do as, do what you can. You're doing the right things and, and all 
you know, be available if you ever have any questions and we'll jump into some uh, uh, clubhouse rooms and talk about brand building and stuff like that. Hell yeah. That's what I'm all about. All about the business side of things too, especially right now. Um, Cause that, that regular season grind is real. I embraced it last year. Yeah. And, and there's burnout too. You gotta be careful, yeah. you know, cause you, you definitely are going to face that if you're, you're not smart about it. It's natural. I burned, I burned out several times, you know, where I, I thought, Oh my God, I did a couple 24 hour live streams and those aren't healthy. Um, I, I might want to add, Cause you, you know, you get through that and you're like, Oh my God, I'm never going live again. You know, I did two of those. I had the flu during one of them oh. and it was, uh, it was not good. It was not good. Nor, nor was it as productive as like a normal two hour live stream. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, uh, sometimes more isn't, uh, more isn't better. I realized that during some of my question and answer live streams, um, some of them lasted like up to five hours. I'm like, damn, I should have just stopped two hours ago. And then just did another one tomorrow or something or yeah yeah you're it's you gotta know you gotta know what when to quit on it but but yep. hey man i'm gonna go grab that chick-fil-a pop it in the microwave and and chow that down before it's already dinner time uh appreciate you having me on and um you know we'll we'll hook up i'm, I'm serious we can maybe do something in that in a in a facebook group somewhere some kind of like internal show you know, if you know, I know I already said I don't have a lot of time, but we can figure something out. Like, you know, even if it's a quick 10 minute thing, that'd be, it'd yeah. be pretty cool. All right, man. Hell yeah. All right. I'll see you later. And everybody, thanks for hanging out. Um, got another show tomorrow and got a bunch of cool shows coming next week. So if you're not subscribed, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Go follow on all podcasts. Peace out, everybody. Later, guys. Later, GMM. Later, Stu.